I'm Hannah. I'm Caitlin. I'm Leah. And, and this, this is, is Read Me Maybe. So on this month's episode of the Read Me Maybe podcast, we are discussing You Know Me Well by Nina LaCour and David Levithan. The inside book jacket reads, Mark and Kate have sat next to each other for an entire year, but their paths outside of class have never crossed. That is, until Kate spots Mark miles away from home, out in the city for a wild, unexpected night. Kate is lost, having just run away from a chance to finally meet the girl she has been in love with from afar. Mark, meanwhile, is in love with his best friend, Ryan, who may or may not feel the same way. When Kate and Mark meet up, little do they know how important they will become to each other, and how, in a very short time, they will know each other better than any of the people who are supposed to know them more. So this book is told in alternating viewpoints between Kate and Mark. It flip-flops every chapter and discusses the going-ons of the book that they experience both together and separate. You see their stories intertwine. We start out with Kate, who is on her way to a party um, during Pride Week, which is the setting for our book. It takes place in San Francisco during Pride Week, which is a very fun setting. She's on her way to a party to meet the girl that she has been in love with, for quite a while now, she's very deeply in love with this girl, Violet, who is the cousin of her best friend, Lena. So they've never met, but Kate is too nervous, so she ends up running away and going for a walk to clear her head and not going back to the party. So Kate does not return to the party. She continues on and ends up in a bar called Happy Happy, where she meets Mark and whom she meets pretty much by saying, hey, let's be friends. Yeah, so I'm actually going to start out by reading a quote from towards the beginning of the book. This is Kate. um, She's talking about her best friend, Lena. And it's kind of one of the the major themes of the book that we'll get into later. But here's, here's one of the first quotes I really enjoyed from this book. When you're friends with someone for such a long time, it's easy to feel like she belongs to you. Like the version of the person you became friends with is the only real version. If she hated peas when she was a kid, then she will always hate peas. And if she starts to eat them and declares them delicious, really, she is deluding herself, masking her hatred of them, trying to pretend that she's someone she's not. I think that quote really perfectly encapsulates the situation that a lot of people find themselves in when you're growing up, when you're a teenager and growing into young adulthood and, you know, starting your life off. It's kind of difficult when you're changing and your friends are seeing you change, there's a lot of insecurity in the friendship because if you're not the same person that they became friends with, can your friendship really survive that growth and change and shifting? So I think that we've all experienced that kind of situation where we've put someone into a category or a box in our head. And when they do something that's kind of an aberration and outside of that box, all of a sudden we very much want to, um, Well, I mean, I don't know if everybody does, but I've definitely had the impulse wherein I very much want to leap out and tell them, that's not you. That's not who you are. You don't do that. You know, when I have no business telling them what they do or don't do, obviously Mm -hmm. they're the only ones who can decide that, but it's just so like profoundly like upsetting sometimes Mm -hmm. to have to really accept that you are growing and it might mean growing apart. When I think sometimes, too, when you know someone or you think you know someone really well and they're your best friend and then they change and there's something that you didn't know about them, I think you feel kind of, like, slighted. Like, why didn't you tell me about this? Like, why didn't I know this? I thought I knew you so well. Like, it feels kind of like a personal attack even though it's not. 
Yeah, but yeah, but it does feel like that. It's especially if, you know, you're the one person that they've shared everything with. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden there's a new person on the block, you know? And yeah, having another friend doesn't diminish your you know, like your friendship isn't diminished by another friendship mm-hmm. except for that it really feels like it is. Yes. Yeah. And I think one of the the largest like one of the most important things to, that you start to understand as you get older is that everything you know about somebody whether it be your mother, your brother, your sister, your best friend from second grade, you only know the portion of themselves that they've shown you. Mm-hmm. And while it may seem like everything, it's not the complete picture of who they are it's not the whole of their identity so the -hmm. fact that you knew this person all growing up but you only knew a part of them and And that's so hard to accept and even like that's hard not just to like come to terms with it's hard to like understand in the first place or conceptualize Mm -hmm. in in, like just that it's a thing that exists yeah yeah I mean I nobody in your life knows you as wholly as you do yourself Yeah. yeah of course and that's kind of awesome and terrifying at the same time because it's like I don't know it feels like you can constantly surprise people with things that seem so normal to you Mm -hmm. it's very difficult to accept that that's like that you don't own that person yeah and to come to terms with it and also to still be friends or navigate friendship beyond that instead Mm -hmm. of just like trying to break it off then and be like well I'm just preserving my memory of what it was instead of Kate understands that she's changing and she doesn't maybe necessarily understand why Lena is having such a hard time accepting it. And I think putting, you know, putting oneself in somebody else's shoes, being like, okay, if this happened, if the converse happened to me, how would I accept it? Absolutely. I think it's a really um, difficult thing and it's worth recognizing like that it's not just their problem or whatever. It's actually a thing to be sensitive about that somebody else hasn't seen you at all in this light and that it might be difficult for them to come to terms with it. It's almost like them meeting a whole new person or at least a whole new side of you and having to get used to these new Mm -hmm. aspects of your personality. And that can be hard on someone too, you know, especially, you know, making new friends is not always easy because then you feel like you're dealing with uncharted territory, that sense of comfort, mm-hmm. and... You have to go through the vulnerability all Yeah, time. yeah, you don't know, maybe necessarily feel as comfortable as you once did with that person, you know, you, you usually you don't feel comfortable enough to, like, just sit on the couch and not talk with someone you don't know, because you feel like you need to be filling up the silence, and that is awkward, or at least I do, and that's not always the case, but then with people you've known for a while, you know, a lot of times you feel more comfortable just letting that silence be there because you know it's not a, we don't like each other or something to be nervous about. It's just, yeah, you don't, maybe don't have anything to fill the space with. Yeah. And I mean, it's all just, it's all part of just growing up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, those, that kind of identity development and shift is really difficult to handle. So we see this identity shift with... Lena and Kate a lot with the fact that, you know, Lena's always called Kate Katie and suddenly Kate wants to be called Kate instead of Katie. And it's really difficult for Lena, um, to accept that change in her. But then we also on the flip side, see this identity shift with Ryan and Mark. Um, and they're struggling with that in their friendship too, because we have Mark who has, you know, accepted the fact that he is gay and is out and, you know, fine with it. And then Ryan, who's really struggling with this new sense of self 
um, discovering that he really does have romantic feelings for men and that it's something that he should or maybe could start talking about openly because he never has and he's always kind of hid that and only shared that with Mark and not anyone else. But he's finally reached a point in his life where it's starting to become something that he is going to have to release to the world um, and that puts a lot of tension on his relationship with Mark. Absolutely. I mean, that kind of identity change happens when you're growing up and about to exit high school and enter kind of your next step, whether that's a job or college or a gap year or, you know, any kind of nonprofit work or something. You're just kind of figuring out who you are and who you're going to be. And that's a intense growth period. Well, in high school, even, it's hard to become who you are because you're still very much trapped in this small world that we've talked about, how high school is a pressure cooker, but it's this small little world of these same people that you've seen all the time, and then you're getting ready to go off to college where you really discover yourself. Mm-hmm. And so all of our characters are just starting to realize that they're hitting that phase where not only are they going to have the opportunity to figure themselves out, but they really kind of have to start to. Like, they can't yeah. fall back on those it's comfortable relationships. Yeah. And that's a really scary thing. I mean, you think about how you know who you are, maybe, at a certain point, and then you don't know who you are going to be. So um, there's one quote, something Kate says when she's talking with Mark about kind of growing up and changing. She says, because we lose it, I say, we grow up and we lose ourselves. Sometimes when my favorite songs are on, I have to stop what I'm doing and lie down on my carpet and just listen. I feel every word they're singing, every note. And to think that in 20 years or 10 years or five even, I might hear those same songs and just like bob my head or something is horrible. Then I'm sure I'll think that I know more about life, but it isn't true. I'll know less. So I think that really speaks to the intensity of adolescence, um, which is a topic that we've touched on before. I think it's the thing that makes YA lit super YA, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, the entirety of this book takes course in a single week. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't remember the last time a week felt so long as it did when I read this book. (laughs) And that's one thing I really like about David Levithan. He does do that very well. I mean, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist took place in the space of a night. Mm. Super intense. Uh, That was his book with Rachel Cohn. I mean, but everything seems so high stakes when you're a teenager. And, like, honestly, mm-hmm. a week in teen years is, like, you know, a month. It really yeah, is, though. It really to five. is. Absolutely. Well, I mean, because it, everything is kind of high stakes when you're a teenager. Yeah. Because you're not, you're not in a secure position. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe you're in your parents' house, mm-hmm. so you're not going to be there forever. So your housing yeah. is in question in a way, you know. You have to really launch and... and figure out what your life is going to be. Maybe you're not even in um, your parents' house. Like one character, Greer, um, in the book, who was kicked out of their parents' house, Mm -hmm. and they're living in a shelter. So how do you come to terms with that, knowing basically whatever place you're in, you know you're not going to be there forever as a teenager. When you have the pressure of not really being old enough in the eyes of most people to make your own decisions, but being at the age where you feel like you should be able to because you're starting to form your identity. You're starting to form kind of your own personality outside of what everyone has created for you. Um, You know, it it really is 
pressure cooker. I think I'm going to keep going back the, to that. The pressure cooker of life. <laughs> Adolescence. Adolescence. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Phrase. I mean, it's, it's completely true that the, the feelings are so intense and they are so real. Mm-hmm. And just because they might be really different tomorrow doesn't mean that today was any less real. Yes. And the best YA writers capture that completely. Mm-hmm. David Levithan and Nina Lacour have done a fantastic job in this book of that. Yes. Yeah. Because it, I feel like they fit a lot in, but like the book read really fast, but it does feel like you're going over an extensive amount of time. Yeah, in I mean, that quick really read, deep. it's just yeah, it's. It was a super quick read for me. I but it was like insta love. I read it yeah. and I was like, this, this is it. We're reading this for you know, pot mm-hmm. for read me maybe like immediately. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. And I think everybody agreed with me when they yes. were like, oh completely. yeah, and Nina Lacour, David Levithan, like <laughs> yeah. sure Dream fire team. hit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Dream team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the relationships portrayed in this book were so real in a lot of ways and that like I could like I could kind of picture relationships in my own life within these characters um but Mark and Ryan's relationship was like so heartbreaking and like so I don't know I had a lot of feelings about it and I'm sure absolutely (laughs) I'm sure when you read the book you will too just because like I don't know there were I don't know. I had lots of feelings, and we'll just, like, leave it at that. It is heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, the whole identity shift for both of them, really, in a way. Yeah. They both grow up a lot. I don't know. I mean, and it's as, as shitty as it is to, like, have these have things change in relationships. Like, you still need to be there for the people you care about, even if it's not something. You can't just write somebody off, as painful as it might be. But on the other hand, I think it's super important to do things for yourself that are healthy for you. Yes. And there was a very fine line drawn in this book between being supportive and having a healthy relationship for yourself. Yeah, that's really true. That was a really, that's part of what made Mark and Ryan's relationship so very interesting. I mean, Kate and Lena's had its, you know, issues, but it was not the same as Mark and Ryan in mm-hmm. terms of that fine line. No, it not at all. And I, I really encourage you guys to read this book. I... I just super, I super appreciated how that relationship was portrayed, and I, I you're holding really... yourself back from spoilers. So uh, hard yeah, so hard. No spoilers. Um, read it. Yeah. Tweet me. I'll, I'll tweet you my feelings. DM. DM. I'll tweet you my feelings. I'll tweet you my feelings. Is that your new like slogan? I think you should put that as your tagline on Twitter. I'll tweet you my feelings. I really loved that this book dealt with um, kind of the good girl who's doing what everybody expects of her, and then she's kind of not willing to keep going in that vein. She doesn't... The thing that I like about it in a way, though, is that she's not breaking people's expectations and rebelling against their expectations in the typical way. She's not going out with a bang. She's mm-hmm. like, she's just kind of not doing the thing. Yeah. And I really respect that as a way yes. of like countering people, you know, yeah. just to like fade out or like, <laughs> just like not go to the party yeah. or like, just kind of be like, Oh yeah, let me go grab my, uh, let me go grab my lipstick from the car and then just walk off to a bar and not come back. Just like, ghost. Yeah, and just kind of make all those different arrangements. I know that probably a lot of people recommend being totally above board and sharing your feelings as soon as you have the feelings, but maybe you don't know what the feelings are yet. Maybe you just know that what you want is not this thing. So I have to say, I really loved that 
um, LaCour and Levithan wrote Kate into kind of this situation where she was exploring herself and exploring other options by kind of withdrawing yeah. in a way. She, I feel like that's a legitimate way to She made that. alternate decisions from what people wanted, but she wasn't necessarily making like decisions. bad decisions. <laughs> well yeah, it's not like she, she wasn't was, making decisions. It's at not all. like she <laughs> was like, Oh, I don't want to be at this party, so I'm gonna go break a bunch of car windows and start a riot. Like she just Walked away. Yeah, she just can walked we, away. Can we go back to Leah's love of ghosting? Because I'm like really worried for the future of our friendship. Like one day we're just gonna like stop answering my phone calls and texts. Yes, I still call people because I'm a monster, and I just like I'm really sad to hear that that's, that's how we're going. Why do you why do you think that that's what's going to happen? It's not like we were we were friends as teenagers. So the flaming out of adolescence and the identity shifts are not going to happen. I don't know. I'm like set for a quarter life crisis anytime. Well, you know where <laughs> she lives. So <laughs> yeah, you know where I mean, she lives. Hannah makes a fair point. You super know where I live <laughs> and where she works sure. and where I work and basically. Also, I have your, your family. And, I have your husband's phone number now. Yeah, yeah, and you have family in law enforcement, so I feel like I'm easy to track down. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we would have like a knock and drag out scene if that was ever gonna. Actually, Basically, let's just go back to the start here, where I say I'm not gonna ghost you. Uh, more likely, she will have a kid someday, and I'll just be like, "You'll do this, me. Yeah. I'll be yeah. ghosting." Yeah, I mean, I'm about to go all Ali Wong, Baby Cobra on you, and be like, <laughs> "You trap me." <laughs> Trap Queen Caitlin. <laughs> Gonna Enron my ass, get all my awesome friendship years, and then I'll be stuck at home. <laughs> you won't even be supportive. Uh, I'll be desperately texting you. Oh Where's the baseball game? Let's go, let's go. And you'll be like, who dis? Who dis? <laughs> New phone, who dis? <laughs> One thing that I really liked about the book was a smaller thing was at one point, Mark and Kate are talking about the word straight versus queer, um, gay, lesbian, whatever orientation that you want to name. But they talked about how instead of using like the term queer, we should come up with a new term, and they come up with the term scenic, which I really love. <laughs> I, I really love. Oh, I did like that. Yeah, because Kate's thinking, she's like, you know, what's the opposite of straight? What, like, curvy? Are we curvy? Let's be scenic. And yeah. I was like, that's so wonderful. I love that. That's such a positive, beautiful term. Also. Reframe. Also, yeah. <laughs> not to be underestimated, the puns that you can use <laughs> therein. So, uh, please share these puns. Yeah, you have. I would like some. I like puns. You, you know, know watching like the scenery, things like that, oh, like bless. the yes. scenic view. You know, yes, like oh. vantage points for the you know the scenic outlook. That's true. Yeah, I just I really liked that term. I think it's it's just so much nicer. Yeah, I do like alternate vocabulary for yeah. things that, I don't know, there are some terms for things. I'm just like, no, oh, that sounds so dismal. <laughs> so what are some books you guys would suggest? Okay, kind of read alike. Okay, I super called dibs on saying Lola and the Boy Next Door by Stephanie Perkins because it also takes place in San Francisco. San Francisco. I know, there's the shout out <laughs> to all the neighborhoods, just like mm-hmm. in this book, you know, Russian Hill, Dolores Park, all of it. Um, and also, it's about a friendship that is in transition. Um, in that book, definitely, you know, heavy transition into romance. Um, also, that book has, like, a lot of identity shifting happening and kind of figuring out who you're who you're going to be mm-hmm. in the context of everyone around you who is expecting you to be something else 
something that you always have been. Mm-hmm. Um, also, great dialogue and inside jokes and um, just super, super awesome. That's, super colorful mm-hmm. characters, too. Like, Very I love much so. That book. That book. Oh, my God. That book, though. Right. Mm-hmm. Stephanie Perkins for the win. Times of Yeah. Stephanie, please keep writing. Oh, forever. Please. Forever. Um, Hannah, what's your read like? I'll Give You the Sun by Jandy Nelson. is about kind of changing relationships. You've got these two twin siblings, um, and they go through a terrible event with losing their mother. And then they both kind of change and have to come to terms with the changes in each other. So it's a very close friendship you know, as well as a siblingship. And they end up having to kind of rethink their relationship with each other and accept the changes that the other has made. And it's very, very difficult for them. But, you know, at the end of the book, some things are worked out, some things aren't. It's an excellent, excellent book and definitely a read-alike for You Know Me Well by Nina LaCour and David Levithan. Sometimes I talk real well and sometimes I just go... So the read-alike I picked for this book was Stealing Heaven by Elizabeth Scott. One of the things that that book really deals with is growing up and identity. Um, Danny in the book is a girl who was raised stealing from homes with her mother. And, you know, she gets to this new town called Heaven, meets people, and decides that, like, maybe this isn't the reality she wants to be living in. And it's really, Heaven is, like, really the first place she, like, meets people she's interested in getting to know. Throughout the book, she just comes to term with, like, this is not the reality I want. Also, there's a super cute romance and, like, a nerdy cop with, like, big ears. And I don't, I don't know if you need more out of a book. So, (laughs) like, Stealing Heaven, read it. Super adorable. Not the greatest of covers, but you just need to look for what's inside. Something we, we kind of wanted to touch on as some, so the beginning of this book, they start out at the beginning of, you know me well, they start out by walking through the streets of San Francisco during the first day of pride, young, excited for everything. And they end the book still the last day of pride, young, excited, walking down the sidewalk, just, you know, so excited for everything. I super appreciated that this book didn't start out with us worrying about the characters coming out or, you know, them trying to find their identity and their sexual identity. It really just started with them and the relationships they have in, like, this totally normal, you know, like, perfectly normal setting. And I know it being, like, a suburb of San Francisco, it's maybe a far stretch from reality here in Oklahoma, kind of how, you know, the maybe the environments we were raised in. But mm-hmm. I... I mean, Oklahoma isn't exactly a bastion of sex positivity. No, yeah. it's it's definitely not. But San Francisco, like, that's not to say San Francisco is either, but I mean, no, but maybe I mean, more so. Probably much further on the spectrum towards. Yeah, I don't know. It's super important to, like, continue to have books that have good inclusion for LGBT mm-hmm. characters and you know, if only for, like, people who are reading it to be able to step into the shoes of these characters. Yeah, you need window yeah. books. But yeah. also you need mirror books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this is one of those really great books that would be able to serve as a mirror book for young LGBTQ plus teenagers who want to see that, you know, life goes on after the coming out mm-hmm. process or that life continues to be 
pretty much what it always has been in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like you still fight with your best friend. You still have worries Life about Life is still college. normal. Like, yeah. Unrequited love. Exactly. Exactly. Like weird decisions you have to make and like. Yeah. And that's, that's part of what makes this book so special is it's, it's not an issue book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of a. You know, it's a life book. <laughs> it's a, it's a book yeah. about people and their relationships, and that's yeah. basically what most books are about. Or most books that I, I shouldn't say most books, but like books. Well, heteronormative books aren't about oh, this person is hetero. It's just yeah, like, they just, just are. The it's thing. about the other things, and this book is about other things. It's not yeah. about their queerness. It's about the fact that they're humans with things going on in their lives. Yeah, so that's really important. To have more of that in Wayland. And mm-hmm. I think especially in light of, you know, the tragic things that, the tragic incident in Orlando and other incidents, incidents like it. Yeah, um, it's, it's still extremely important and relevant to be presenting everyone. Yeah, just really presenting everyone's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, because whatever people sometimes like to say in news and politics about living in a post whatever world, we obviously don't like, we really obviously don't. Yeah. So we need to continue to work on both reading things, you know, that present people's lives that are maybe different than our own and the same as our Mm -hmm. own and really bridging those connections and forming that more inclusive worldview. Yeah. Yeah. And promoting them in our own work and just, you know, yeah. getting getting them on the shelves and onto people's yeah. reading lists. And Nina LaCour and David Levithan are two people that are fighting the good fight. So, like, yes. keep it up, y'all. Absolutely. Yep. Fantastic writers. Yeah. Ridiculously fantastic writers. Yes. Yes. So what? there are other awesome books. Um, Nina LaCour wrote Hold Still, The Disenchantments, and Everything Leads to You, which... I love that book. <laughs> I love that book. I was book. waiting for a huge fangirl um, moment there. First of all, that cover is so awesome. So that awesome. Even before cover. I read the book, I bought it because I was like, I want this on my shelf. Mm-hmm. And then I read it and I was like, oh, and it's a great book. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's a great book. What a great perk. I, lo- I ate that book up too really quickly and I'm kind oh of a slow God, reader. Yeah. No, Everything Leads to You was completely and utterly fantastic. Not yes. so secret shame anymore, but I still haven't read that, even though I know <laughs> I will would read love it. it. I, will, yeah. I will read it. I will read it. Um, <laughs> but some other books by David Levithan, um, Every Day, mm-hmm. which actually is one of his newer books. He's mm-hmm. There's a couple out in the series. I've only read the first one. But it's about a gender-fluid character that hops from body to body every morning, and that's... It was a really interesting premise. Yeah. And it really causes you to question a lot of your... Um, you know, preconceived notions, um, from an outside view mm-hmm. about what makes people, people. There's this really awesome book called Jump by Alyssa Carbone that has, uh, this awesome passage about how people are like, like people like to wrap themselves up in identity markers, mm-hmm. but, um, what happens when you take those off of yourself, like taking coats off of a off of a coat rack or something yeah. kind of thing. Well, I mean, it's the same thing with a clock. Like, you have a clock, you take off the number nine from it, it's still a clock. It's just a clock with missing mm-hmm. a nine. So it's how, at what point when you start taking off more things from the clock, does it still remain a clock? Yeah, it's a little bit that, but I think more of what I was meaning to get at is that um, underneath a lot of these things that we 
um, hang on ourselves as identity points. We're all humans and mm-hmm. all people. Yeah. Um, so this kind of, there's a lot going on, I guess. When you can't always label everything. I mean, I love label makers. I love labeling things. <laughs> I mean, I, and I find myself doing it with people around me, like putting labels to people. It helps me understand them. It helps me kind of like navigate like, the world. That's but, fair. It's a human phenomenon. Yeah, we like have to Mark, do that. Yeah. The gay poster child of America. The poster child of gay America. Either way, yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah. Labels, yeah, labels can be quote. super helpful as long as you keep in mind that those don't, they're not all encompassing and they're not all defining. They're just kind of like they're jumping they, off. Yeah, points. exactly. They're like mind hacks to help you navigate the world yeah, without questioning hacks. every single thing around you. So Caitlin, what have you been reading? What is in your queue to read after you finish whatever you're currently reading. Um, so I've read a lot of really trashy romance novels, um, but we won't go into any details on those. <laughs> um, I've have probably talked about Emery Lord before, but her Twitter ace game is ace and mm-hmm. her hair is lovely. <laughs> and I read the first two of her books, um, The Start of Me and You and Open Road Summer. Super loved them. And I'm actually reading her third and newest book, which came out earlier this year, called When We Collided. It's got a beautiful cover. Mm-hmm. I think it's about a bipolar character, and everything's going super well right now, but it all seems like shit is about to hit the fan, oh, and gosh. I'm, like, really nervous. I, <laughs> I actually, like, had to set it down earlier this week because I was like, I can't have, handle the devastation that is about to happen. Yeah. Um, so there's that. I also read Noelle Stevenson's Nimona. <laughs> I'm really happy yeah. that you read that. But I know we've happy. talked about Lumberjanes before on yeah. this podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. Nimona uh-huh. was like every fangirl's uh-huh. like bread and butter. It was comic. So awesome. It was so good. Um, the like, names. Fantastic. Uh, what was it? Sir... Sir Ambrosius Goldenloin. Goldenloin, that's Sir Edmund Blackheart. Yeah, no, um, definitely put that on your to-read list, folks. Immediately. You will not regret it. Oh my god. Um, I also read Julie Murphy's Dumplin', which Mm. has a plus-size character Mm. who is just, like, super comfortable with herself at the beginning of the book. She starts exploring sexual relationships and with Peach Butt. <laughs> with Peach Butt, um, a character you will meet if you read that book. Um, and, be, and starts becoming uncomfortable with her. In, uh, I don't know. It explores body image in a way that felt very real and very relevant. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I super loved the book, but I definitely would put it on anybody's shelf as far as like helping somebody to understand kind of like life on the plus size side because mm-hmm. it's not something you see a whole lot of mm-hmm. done well and accurately in mm-hmm. young adult literature or just really any literature. It's not really um, explored much. No, it's not. And it it's, I don't know. I super enjoyed it. Thought it was relevant, but that's, that's pretty much all I've got going. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I have something to admit. I don't hate Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a confession or admittance of any kind, when I'm pretty sure what you meant no, to say no, was, let me, I hate. Let me finish the damn sentence. Okay. Um, I have always oh, maintained Kathy. that I hate all things steampunk. And up until I read the first of this, the Gull Carragher's Solace, or Prayer Soul Protector series, I thought that was true. Um... 
Solace was amazing. It was so good. Um, I will maintain that it was like steampunk light. Uh, so yeah, next on the to read list for me, um, first we have Shadow and Bone by Lee Bardugo, who wrote this series, um, and then also Six of Crows, which is in one of her newer release. Um, and I'm also planning on reading Adam Silvera's More Happy Than Not, which is about a kid in a working class Latino neighborhood coming to terms with his sexuality. Well, I'm going to go next because um, one of the books on my to-read list or that I'm getting ready to read right now is by Lee Bardugo. It's Six of Crows. Um, I've started listening to it, so I'm a couple hours into the audiobook, and it's super excellent. I really like it. I've seen so much on Tumblr about Kaz Brecker, and I totally know why it's all hyped up. He's awesome. Um, So, yeah, that one's good. And I'm also in the middle of reading both Never Never and Unhooked, which are both, like, Peter Pan retellings that are YA. Um, I started reading them a while ago, and then I had to put them aside for book club books and You Know Me Well and just other things that I've had to read, which was kind of disappointing because I've really enjoyed reading them. Um, But I'm excited to hopefully get to pick them back up again soon and finish them. Um, But other books that I've finished since our last recording are Black Widow Forever Red, which was super awesome. It's the tale of Black Widow, a.k.a. Natasha Romanov, who you may know from The Avengers. It wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to focus on Black Widow as a teenager, and it actually is about her dealing with some teenagers that come into her life and how she handles that. So it's interesting. You, I feel like you get a lot of insight into Natasha and why she is the way she is without totally ruining the mystery of her, which is excellent. Um, I also finished an audiobook that Leah recommended to me. And by recommended, I mean she was like, take this and listen to it. <laughs> and it's called The Forbidden Wish by Jessica Corey, and it was pretty excellent. Um, there were a few production issues, in my opinion, with the CDs that I listened to it on and where they kind of cut the story apart. It was a little difficult to listen to in the car and definitely not super safe because it would be in the middle of something really interesting, you know, that part where you just want it to keep going and then it would cut off and I'd have to try and change the CD while I was driving. I uh, just finished The Smell of Other People's Houses by Bonnie Mm -hmm. Sue Hitchcock, and it's an amazing, amazing book. It's about Alaska, um, and it starts kind of in the time when they were getting statehood, and then um, it kind of goes into when the characters have grown up about 10, 12 years after that, so it's kind of in the 70s-ish, is mostly when it takes place. And it's just this fantastic look at how people's lives interweave without them even knowing about it in a lot of ways. And it's also about how people are different than you think they are and kind of about growing and learning that and a lot of really deep abiding relationships between people um, all set against this backdrop of Alaska, you know, before there were um, a lot of paved roads in certain areas And so it's a very interesting look at a totally different time and place than you normally Mm. read about. Very, very good writing. Like, the writing is just so rich. The prose, the metaphors, everything. It's just really beautiful. So I would encourage everybody to read that, for sure. I was reading uh, Counting Time by Melanie Conklin, and it's more of a middle-grade read. But it's really... um, it's a good, interesting read about kind of this middle child who in this family, um, and the family moves from California to New York 
for the youngest child's uh, cancer treatment. And it's all, uh, you know, there's like the normal issues of starting a new school mid-year, um, dealing with wor- being worried that your best friend back home is going to make other friends and forget you. Mm-hmm. Um, all those normal middle school age moments interspersed with this deep, scary reality of your little brother being extremely, extremely ill. Um, so it was really dealt with in a great way and uh, very responsible to the issues that surround that. That's good. Where children kind of can get forgotten in a family yeah. when it's, you know, the whole family's focus is on making sure one member is yeah. doing well. So. so what is on deck? Um, a lot of different stuff. I really need to finish up some different books. Um, a lot of nonfiction, like weird businessy books. Uh, but I also want to read Unhooked at Hannah's recommendation. Mm-hmm. And I want to get into, I really want to read The Name of the Mi- the name of the Wind. I know I'm like, what, 10 years behind everybody on the popularity of that book. But I really do want to read that. So I'll probably pick that up pretty soon. Mm, that's a pretty dense one. So for the next episode of the Read Me Baby podcast, we'll, we will be talking about V.E. Schwab's The Savage Song. The Read Me Maybe podcast is a collaborative effort of Leah Wyand, Caitlin Seagraves, and Hannah Moore. You can find us on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram with the username Hey I Just Read You. You can also find us online at HeyIJustReadYou.com. This episode of the Read Me Maybe podcast was produced by Hannah Moore of StylishBookNerd.com. Books. 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 I'm not going to do this.